Astro Jitters. Get him out. Get him out now. Just kick him around. Kick him right out. Round outside, round outside. Okay, hello. Welcome back to the Dog Chalk 2019 kickoff show. We're happy to have you. Um, we're going to do things a little different this year. Uh, hopefully a little more shows, a um, whole lot more honesty. Not that we weren't before, but uh, I got a little bit of a mission statement to start off with. But first, how are you doing, Mike? Doing well. How are you doing, Samuel? It's been a while. I'm doing fantastic. We always try to be honest. Yeah, we try. I'm on we- keto right now. I feel great. Uh, Accountability. I get to eat a bunch of garbage, and somehow I'm losing weight. So garbage. Sign me up. Yeah. Well, it's you like, get to eat meat and cheese all the time. That's all it is. I'm just I'm like <laughs> downing fried t bones, and it's I'm losing weight. It doesn't make yeah, any yeah. sense whatsoever. But if you stick Best to it, it diet works. ever. Yeah. Until I die of a heart attack next month, we'll we'll see. But uh, giving that a shot. Anyways, back to here's how we're gonna change uh, the new mission statement. Okay, I wrote this down. I'm going to actually read it. So if I mess that up, I apologize in advance. Uh, basically, no fake news. A lot of shows out there blow smoke, tell fans what they know will sell, or make up ridiculous headlines that are untrue in order to get clicks on their website or you know article that you can read in a paper or on a computer screen. I am not that. Mike is not that at all. We don't we even are have not, a website. We are not that. <laughs> Uh, you couldn't even click if you tried. Yes. Uh, if you want sunshine and rainbows about your dogs, this is not the show for you. Okay? Uh, I am going to tell you how it is, even though I am a lifelong Georgia fan. Uh, Mike will tell, will for sure tell you because he is not a lifelong Georgia fan, even though he respects the dogs. Um, not saying that I'm going to like be overly critical of the dogs or anything, but I am going to be honest and tell you what I really believe is going on in the program and how I see things. An honorable mission statement. Yes. That is what is the main purpose. And I don't know. I just get sick. Of, do you ever get sick of like you listen to a certain show all the time and all you hear is like the positive spin? Yeah, you can like, definitely, like, it, no matter what team you like to follow, you can definitely tell which people are always going to blow sunshine and, and tell you what you want to hear and and be the mouthpiece for the program and repeat what they hear from the coaches you know the talking points and all that stuff the narratives that are yeah. the team wants to hear and or or it's it's selected spliced up so you only hear the good stuff mm-hmm. it's like when you watch a highlight tape of a kid coming out of high school you don't see when he drops the ball you just see how good he did uh for instance and that we're not even planning on this right now. It just popped in my brain. Um, Tate Ratledge. I like Tate Ratledge. I think he has a great, huge, high ceiling. He's one of our um, highest-rated commits right now at off- offensive tackle. Uh, he's a 98 on 24-7. So, I mean, he's legit. I mean, he's 6'7", or 6'6", 322 pounds. The clip that I saw was Tate Ratledge, best Brian Brzee who was like all-world freaking best defensive end that we've seen in years, blah, 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 even though he actually got uh, overtaken recently for the number one player in Jordan Birch, who was also at the same position at defensive end. But and who's also probably going to Clemson. Also probably Sad going to face. Clemson, along with Miles Murphy and every other awesome defensive lineman there is out there. But uh, the point is, the, that was what the article read, and it was a Georgia writer. I don't remember who wrote it. I'm not diming anybody out. But it was like, Tate Rattledge, Rattledge gets the better of... You know, <laughs> Brian Brzee. Yeah, and it's so like I'm a watching it. I'm watching. No, I'm watching it on ESPN, which is pretty bipartisan. I think there's no like, eh, they have some agendas there for sure, but 
not against those two, you know, right. not in this context, yeah. not in this context. So basically the first rep they show, uh, Brzee tries a spin move that it's, it's just kind of like a high, like difficulty. Let's see if I can do this. And he first gets, of all, this is non padded, right? At no, it's padded. Camp. They're full, oh, full pads. Okay, there. Okay, it's okay. the drill where the defensive end is trying to get around the offensive tackle to get to the cone. Right. So not in game, but just reps, not in game, just reps. Okay. So one-on-ones just, you know, meat and potatoes. So Brzee gets shut down like the first rep and everybody like that's all you heard about if you were a Georgia fan. If you're on any Georgia site, you're like, oh, my God. Holy crap. Then if you watch the next rep, Brzee is like, I'm going to make a point now. And he basically pile drives or bull rushes Tate all the way back into the cone. And then he beats him like the next couple reps as well. <laughs> so basically, we've got a, a, a slight piece of that information <laughs> that. Right. I'm just I'm sick of that stuff, you know. Yeah, I'm sure Tate's good. I'm not trying to knock Tate, mm-hmm. but uh, I just want the full in- enchilada. I want it all. I don't want like happy-go-lucky rainbows shined in front of my face, and then not understand why we can't get over the hump, which is Bama, you know, when we have all these wonderful things that we're supposed to be doing. But anyways, okay, so that's going to be the main topic of the show today. We're going to discuss 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 uh, how Georgia gets over the hump. As, a, as an overarching theme, more or less, because it's obvious that there isn't one particular magic answer. So, no, you, you, and just, it, want, you just want to have, have a kind of ongoing comparison to Bama status versus how does Georgia get to Bama status? Yeah, and so Bama is going to be talked about in this episode. There's a lot of little sidebars that could happen, uh, like Zamir White and running backs and people stepping up, wide receivers stepping up and just having great, you know, years and things like that. But, uh, you kind of know. So this first uh, first topic, when how we get over the hump, um, what what's the deal? Do you think we can beat Alabama while Saban is still there, or do we need him to retire? I mean, kind of, and the reason I ask you is because you're a Michigan fan, and guess who just freaking retired? And Harbaugh never beat. Right. Not trying to bring up throw salt on any wounds That's or anything, okay. but like now, I mean, we thought last year that was that was the year that you know. Harbaugh takes the next step and finally gets rid of, you know, his nemesis. And and it just, it didn't happen once again. And it was time to prove it last year. And I think it was time, it's time to prove it this year for Kirby. I think it's a fair uh, comparison between the the situations too, because. um, No joke. Michigan, I think is like the Georgia of the big 10. Well, I mean, it's it's the other best team. The reason I think it's a fair comparison is because the two teams are more or less on the same level. I mean, you could argue that talent-wise, maybe Michigan's a a notch or a half a notch below Ohio State overall talent. And you could perhaps make that same case with Georgia and Bama as well, although I would say that Georgia and Bama's top-end talent is probably... Similar, but then I think Bama ha- has more of an established depth behind their their top. They end might starters. have more established depth. I'm really excited about the uh, total team talent coming out this year because if you add up the last three cycles, Georgia is ahead of Bama because last year they came in seventh. Mm-hmm. I mean, the year before that, first. Uh, right now, they're second. So I mean, they're in, out All of right. the last three cycles. Georgia might actually have beaten them. As a total, because we're not like one and two. Sure, I mean, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested to see that too. Although I guess I look at that type of thing more as who's qualified to make it and go all the way. Like I would say, given what Clemson's done, you know, and a couple teams within the top 
15 or so of top talent probably have what it takes to go all the way, you know, with some luck, the farther you're down that list you go. Yeah. I think that, that type of measurement basically separates the haves from the have nots. It's like anyone below 15 or so really doesn't have much of a prayer to go all the way. Yeah. And did we just create a freaking monster out of Clemson because they're just dominating right now. So now the fact that they can show that they can beat Bama, but and where's and my, well, I guess and my you can point go there is, and win Natties, you know. The point he, is, is where is Clemson on that total team talent? Like, right? They're probably they, they were lower, but that's right. what I'm saying. Like they 10-ish. they were way lower because they had like 13th, you know, right. p- position a couple years ago. They I mean, made it to the top, top and, ten and, a couple times. And what, where were they in 2016 when they beat Bama? They were probably in the teens. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. They they've proven they can beat the system. They they can recruit well, well identify and identify that talent, maybe ranked lower, mm-hmm. and, and maybe you know developer coaching type, coaching and developments prospects. on another level. There, yeah. uh, their facilities are top notch. So now the players, that's what I'm saying. Players yeah. see, oh my god, I can go there, mm-hmm. which is the coolest campus there is supposedly. I haven't seen it, but that's what all the recruits say. They have mm-hmm. you know. Well, I think it, kinda, World there. it goes back to the, one of the you know themes of, of discussions and arguments that you and me have had in the past is where you know it's recruiting versus development or re, you know talent versus tactics. Yes, right? like obviously you have to have a certain threshold of talent in order to qualify to be it, to be good enough to go toe to toe with someone. Yeah, but in that's, order that's to go the all age, the way, age old debate we always have. Yeah. Right, right, right. The Jimmys and the Joes versus the X's and the O's. Yeah, yeah. And, and obviously the and Jimmys I, and, and the Joes separates. You're you're more you're boys. more of like uh, you know X's and O's, and I'm I, I'm probably more of the Jimmys and Joes because right. you can't execute those X's and O's without the Jimmys and without the, the Jimmys and Joes. Right. But my, I'm I'm more saying is that given the Jimmys and the Joes, you know, I mean this isn't a a, a winning. You know, I'm not trying to win the argument right here, but I'm, all I'm looking at it as is you got to have the Jimmys and the Joes to be on the same playing field in college football, top 15-ish talent. Yeah. But then, obviously, it all comes down to tactics. Like, you're not going to be able to... I don't think... But I don't know. I, don't I think, think college I think, is ever going to be in the situation where, like, the NBA is where you're going to have a super team, right? But, but look at There's Michigan. players though. to go around. Look at Michigan last year. Number one defense going into that game against Ohio State. I mean, the tactics were there. Uh, they weren't necessarily and, the number but, one defense. I think they were like the number one pass defense. In I think they were, they, well, they were a top, top five defense, we'll say. They were way up there on defense. I know they were a number one pass defense. They were elite defense. Were, I would, I had so the X is, around as a top ten. Don Brown ten and the X's and the O's were there, though, correct? Right, and we had uh, several but pro what, prospects. But what happened? Too. Yeah, it was X's and O's. It, really? You don't think that was athletes beating athletes? It was, but it could have I think been there mitigated was some, better than the Because Ohio did. State was like number one or two in total team talent, if not number one. Yeah. So I, it was just, I thought, in I mean, my mind, it it's was like hard, it's hard crazy to, athletes beating out X's and O's. Um, I guess that's a fair characterization. I wouldn't say that's wrong. But again, that's only one game. Like that that game was an anomaly in a lot of ways compared to how the the season went for both of those teams. We're going so to we're going to need to dive in. That we're going to need to dive in and dissect so we're not giving any fake news here. Yeah. No, I, no, no, I'm I'm being realistic. I'm, it, I'm not I think that it was more of a coaching error because the coaches could have done better. Were they were they at a slight disadvantage from a personnel standpoint? I guess, but I think most of that was uh, most of that was that we couldn't get a pass rush, and, yeah. and 
you know, we just let him sit back. Haskins was super accurate. And they were were just, you know, we were running man coverage for a lot of that. And they just ran a crossing routes and just carved us up. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, and of course they're super fast. It, it was like it was weird routes, to like where they were like a slot guy was matched up with a middle linebacker or something, and he was just faster, you yeah. know. And it, then that was and it for X's a touchdown, and, you know. And that's X's and O's in a way too, as it well is. as his, they, they took advantage of their situations. Right. Right. Yes. So, but you can't do that without your Joes. But back to Bama. <laughs> but back to the Bama Georgia comparison off that, that yeah. Big Ten tangent we just had. But that's another thing this year. We're not cutting down on the side notes. Because we're going to do that a lot. <laughs> we're going to go down some rabbit holes. Just hold on. We'll be there. So I think the, way, well, I think the reason we got into the Michigan-Ohio uh, State comparison is because it's like the state of the program. One team can't beat the other team despite them being on a roughly equivalent playing yeah. field. Like before Kirby got to Georgia, Bama and Georgia were not on the same playing field. Not at all. Before Harbaugh got to Michigan, Michigan and Ohio State were not on the same not playing at all. field. So I feel like the, you know, the coaching and all that comes with that, the program development – at both schools, Georgia and Michigan has climbed the hill. Mm-hmm. They just haven't gotten over the top. And now, and now Kirby's putting out the guys he recruited, his system. It's all Kirby now. There's no more like Rick guys left in the program unless they're like 50-year guys. I mean, it's the guys he recruited that are starters, and it's all on him now. So, I mean, that's that's where I'm at the point where can Kirby get over that hump with Saban still there? Yeah, and it's a hard it's a hard thing to really hold against them too because you know what second and twenty six in overtime. I mean, yeah, you can't crazy. get much closer to to going over the top than that. And yeah. same with Michigan Ohio State, the overtime game twenty sixteen, the spot could, yeah. that would have been game over. That was a referee was, error. Well, if anything, it was. I mean, yeah, I, I think so. I'm biased. But I'm unbiased. When, I'm the unbiased opinion. Not it a Michigan was within fan. Within an inch or two of being game. Yeah, and so to say that that, that the two teams are on completely different playing fields it's, it's, is not. It true. was like the refs didn't want to end the game. Well, themselves. I mean, regardless, I'm just saying is that there was there was about an inch separating the teams on that given day. So it's gotcha. not like Ohio State was blowing Michigan out of the wall, just like second twenty six right. for us. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. So so it's hard. So it you know regardless of the results, at least Georgia and Michigan are there every year having a chance. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it's not like you're going to want to turn around and fire Kirby if they lose in overtime to Alabama again this year, right? Not in any way, shape, or form. Right. No, right. not at all. And I feel like that is a, a, a fair comparison. It's just going to be another really painful swift kick to the nuts if that happens right. again. Right. I mean, exactly. if especially like who the hell is their backup quarterback this year? If it's their backup quarter that beats us again after we're up by two touchdowns the whole game, I'm going to freaking run into a brick wall. Right. <laughs> but yeah. that is neither here nor there. Um, Brandon Adams on 24-7. No, not on 24-7. He's a dognation.com mm-hmm. reporter. Uh, has the Dog Nation Daily uh, podcast I respect and listen to almost every day, if I can. Uh, one of many that I listen to. For, before we go any farther, on a scale of 1 to 10, as Sunshine Pumper to Truth Teller. What do you break? Oh, he's the, the he's the sunshine pumper, <laughs> right? He's he's the chief gator hater, right? right. <laughs> Which I am too. Well, that, I'm, well, pro- I'm probably the number two gator yeah, hater. But, but that doesn't make him a sunshine pumper. You can hate on other teams without that being affected. Well, right? yeah, no, yeah. It's, but he he's just like he's into what's positive for Georgia. Yeah, I, I feel like he he is in general a sunshine pumper. Sometimes he'll he'll like specifically create a take to create the idea that he's questioning you know the program okay or so here questioning some along those way. lines but but nine out of ten times nine out of ten topics he's a sunshine along those lines here's some what i think he was pumping some sunshine okay okay love you brandon sorry but um 
he says that Saban is close to retirement and it shows because of the coaching hires. So I dove deep into the coaching, who they let go and who they hired. Uh, do you want to go over the uh, departures? You got sure. it on there? Uh, just very familiar with Josh Gaddis. And, um, he was the wide receivers coach, and now he's right. now your new offensive coordinator at Michigan. Right. Um, Dan Enos, we tried to, Michigan tried to hire last year, and then he, he, we hired him for about a week, and then he went to Bama. I guess yep. Tosh Lupoy is more of a recruiter, so to speak. I don't, I don't particularly know for sure. I just know that's maybe his reputation. Maybe that's inaccurate. But he went to the NFL, so maybe he's yeah. Trying. He went, he went to Cleveland, so he was their defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you go ahead. I don't, you, I don't know what your takeaway is on this. Oh no, I'm trying to say the positions of they, the, what they coach because you said mm-hmm. the wide receiver coach, the quarterback coach, Dan Enos. The defensive coordinator. Now we got Mike Loxley, the offensive coordinator left. Mm-hmm. Um, the offensive line, Brent Key left uh, for kind of a, a lesser job, if you ask mm-hmm. me. If you're going to go be the offensive line coach at Georgia Tech instead of Alabama, uh, a lot of it. Think I think it's a lot of like I've had bosses that are quirky. I think Saban's very quirky and kind of hard to work with. I don't know. So I, I, I think I, a lot of these lateral moves kind of show that. I don't think so. I have a different you know? take on that. Okay, no, I think go. I think a lot of these lateral moves are coaches who have either been fired from a, a a position with more responsibility, and it's kind of like coaching rehab. It's like Saban has such an established program that he's able to take coaches who have had you know loftier titles and take them in as either. Like Sarkeesian or, and, yeah, and, and how he wanted to take uh, even and not even on the field coaches and just you know let them have a year or two in the program to where they can then go and get hired out somewhere else. It's he said massive coaching turnover every massive. year. massive and yeah. and then well that's kind of the point of this is all these departures that's our departures so now but in the ter- in the time he's had massive coaching turnover he's also won what three or four titles exactly so exactly not, so he's he's overcome it indication of, of anything exactly yeah. he's he's overcome it for sure. Um, I think it simply means that he is uh, sick of the turnover. You know what I mean? And and what what Brandon was was pushing is the fact that he's hired coaches that are not elite recruiters. Mm-hmm. So I looked into how good they are at recruiting. Okay, with the new hires. So that was our departures. So let's mm-hmm. look at our new hires, and a few of them really are elite recruiters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I but, mean, what's but the implication of that? I don't I, think Brandon's ever going to have a big what, what problem. He, what, what he was saying was. That he's hiring just good on the field coaches and not known recruiters, but he can. Re- he's the best recruiter of all time, so he doesn't need good recruiters necessarily. I know, but but yeah. he's saying that that means he's coming to the towards the end of his career because right. he's done of, with the turnover. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what. That's wishful thinking, in my opinion. I maybe and and some sunshine and rainbows. Uh, I agree totally. I, uh, I would. I do think a relevant thing having to do with that coaching turnover is though. It's almost like. Saban has to recruit every year, but he also has to like recruit coaches every year. You know, it's yeah, like, like think like about massive. having to to fill four or five spots on your coaching roster every year, if not more. That's taken up at least as much of your time as recruiting players. I heard Kendall Milton this cycle. I'm pretty sure it was Kendall. Uh, if I'm wrong, somebody correct me. But say that he doesn't know if he wants to go to Alabama. Uh, because he knows it's just a stepping stone, and the coach that is recruiting him right now will right. not be there. But right. Saban will be there. Mm-hmm. So it's hurting them in recruiting, if anything. But Saban can still recruit. They're number two in the country right now. Um, but mainly, like, is it 
he's hiring these guys because they're good coaches on the field, or he's hiring them because he's closer to retirement. Or what, what would be any indication that he's closer to retirement? Uh, nothing. I don't quite follow that. Nothing yeah. at all. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I think that he's hiring these guys because they're good coaches. He might think that they'll stick around a little longer, hopefully, but he's had that talk with these people when they're coming in. And he's mm-hmm. like, okay. Mm-hmm. So here, let's get on to the new hires. Okay. Uh, okay. Sorry. The last line on the first page. Uh, Sarkeesian. We all know about Sarkeesian. Steve mm-hmm. Sarkeesian, um, he was at Alabama. He played, he basically did their last game, uh, national championship where they lost to Clemson, correct? Mm-hmm. Right, uh, and then he left for the Atlanta offensive coordinator job. So well, he it was fired like, from USC. He was fired from USC, right. drinking problems, things like that. When he was at USC, guess what his recruiting class was? And it was his first year, and he came from Washington, right? So it was he was kind of a big deal, big name, going this to a was big kind of school, a, a holdover area at USC after Pete Carroll, right? Yes. So mm-hmm. when he gets there, what was his recruiting class? You remember? I don't remember, but I'm looking at it. Yeah, you got the piece of paper. <laughs> so uh, sometimes you just lie and just, just say what's on the paper. That's okay. You can just tell us. Number two. It was the number two recruiting class. So he can recruit, only I have not seen any proof of it. I've looked at his recruiting ranking right now on this cycle. He is not listed. He doesn't seem like and a, it's, it's a not guy be- that's going to – he seems like he's accomplished enough. And it doesn't seem like he's the personality where he's going to be pounding the pavement recruiting yeah. if he's not the head coach. I, but I just – I don't know if he's a great coach, to be honest. I want to see it. I don't know if he's a great coach on the field. I know the Falcons' offense the year before he got there was the number one offense in the league, and they dropped off dramatically when he became the offensive coordinator. Didn't he I go mean, to Alabama I, after um, – after USC, directly after yes, USC? Yes, directly after yeah. it was like a rehabilitation hire. Right. Uh, it was just weird. So, Sarkeesian, so-so. He might be a good coach. He might be a good recruiter. We're not sure. Uh, it's yet to be seen, if you ask me. So, he's kind of a blah. Let's move on. Uh, number two, wide receiver coach Wiggins, uh, 247, said he's one of the better recruiters on the Hokie staff last year. Woohoo, Virginia Tech. Not impressive to me, sorry. Uh, and nationally right now, he's ranked number 229 in recruiting. Yeah, but don't you think that like all Bama recruiters are going to be rated higher than all Virginia Tech recruiters? I mean, that's not really a scientific no, measure. No, on Bama, as his current job right, right now. But wasn't he just he, hired? I mean, this year. I mean, he's been there for a minute. So he, he hasn't really... So he's had this cycle, right. this yeah. cycle and it's not going well. <laughs> but, it, I mean, who's... Look at okay. We'll cut him some slack. They have like the deepest, most amazing wide receiving core there is right now, probably in college football. One of them, easily. So it's hard for him to recruit, even though those guys are going to be at least sophomores. But okay, so we'll move on. Number two twenty nine for uh, Wiggins. Other guys are better. Uh, this guy is not. Uh, Kyle Ford is their new offensive line coach. I'm sorry, but you're competing with guys like Sam Pittman in my mind. If if you're not aiming for the top, you're not there. So this guy is 100% not Sam Pittman. He was fired from Rutgers in 2015. Rutgers had the number 23 recruiting class in 2012. And then when he took over for Greg Schiano, uh, it's basically his first year in recruiting, Kyle Ford took the number 23 class, to the, and then the next year he got the number 48 class. So I'm going to say not a good recruiter. That's, okay. I mean, it's Rutgers. It's hard to recruit there, I'm sure, but that's a big drop-off. Okay, but I guess my, my still my perspective on this is oh, still hold on, is hold, hold just on. Saban. Saban is still the recruiter. I know, I so. know. He still has he has Saban on his side now, so maybe right. that forty eight goes back to a twenty three, but it's still not impressive. Uh, and also, the rest of his time as he was uh, Rutgers guy uh, was 
10th, 14th, and 11th in the Big Ten, uh, the next three cycles. Well, yeah, because it's at Rutgers. Who's going to go to Rutgers? I mean, how are you going to really measure a guy's recruiting at Rutgers? I'm just saying he is a very unproven, not good recruiter. I agree. But at Bama, (laughs) he's probably going to recruit just fine. So maybe he's a good on-field coach? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I would tend to be skeptical. but Okay, but here's where you turn a corner in my mind. Okay? Because, so we got a couple not-so-great recruiters. Um, running back Charles, running backs coach Charles Huff uh, signed and developed the Saquon Barkley. You know a little bit about that guy. I know a little bit about him because I had him on my fantasy team last year, and I really liked him. I'm not sure how much <laughs> development really goes into running backs, but okay. Well, Saquon was not uh, – there was some development because he was not highly rated coming out of high school. So, he I mean, four star. he got developed into, like, the one of the best running backs we've or seen developed, in a long regardless time. Regardless of who his coach was. Yeah, or, or he developed on his own. You running, give, running backs run you, fast. You, you, give, you can give credit to, to anyone but his coach, I guess. <laughs> the guy who, I mean, who I, developed I, him. Certain, thing, certain positions, like, where there's a lot of technique involved, I would give credit to coaches mm-hmm. – Okay. Running back is probably well, low on that list. Also, to add to his recruiting prowess, uh, Miles Sanders, five star, and Ricky Slade, also five star. So, I mean, the dude can recruit. Has uh, he developed he's, those he's, five stars? Uh, I mean, it's, if you developed one that wasn't a five star and you recorded, recruited two others that are five stars, I would say you're at least a good recruiter, right? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so and maybe a good developer. So, I mean, I'm I'm kind of impressed with Charles Huff. He's the number twelve overall. No, no, wait, timeout. That's the other guy. He's a number 35 overall right now mm-hmm. on uh, 24-7 and recruiting this cycle. Uh, moving on, uh, linebacker is a head coach with a new hire, uh, Sal Sinceri. Uh, I'm sure we all know that name. Uh, he's landed three former five stars, and he's a number 12 overall on 24-7. Um, D-line coach, Brian Baker. Uh, he's more of like an on-field coach guy. Uh, he coached Jeffrey Simmons and Montez Sweat at Mississippi State last year, who both developed into basically first-round draft picks. So I think he's a good good on-field-like developer. You with me? Sure. Uh, also not not known as a great recruiter, number 77 currently on 24-7. I don't this know cycle. why you're putting any any relevance into the recruiter statistics. I th- well, yeah, but. because if you really look up the, the Georgia guys, like you'll look at someone who you would think would be like insane, like Del McGee, but he hasn't hit his running back this cycle. Because it's only halfway into this cycle, so I'm just throwing also, the numbers. I'm throwing the numbers the out there. On the front of the jersey is the biggest indicator of recruiting, anyway. I know, but I'm, I'm throwing so, the numbers out there as to where we are now. Okay. Okay. Well, these things will change. Okay. I don't mean to rain on your Bama podcast. Oh, I know. I'm freaking totally <laughs> sucking Bama off right now. <laughs> Try not to, folks. Sorry. Uh, okay, and then uh, DB Charles Kelly, uh, DB coach Charles Charles Kelly. Uh, not a great recruiter, uh, good on-field coach. Uh, turned down a couple years ago the uh, D.C. job in 2015 for Auburn. He's an Auburn alum. Uh, probably more of an on-field guy than anything. Uh, technically, he's number 20 right now because he's landed a few recruits, but that will change. Um, that's like saying like Del McGee and Sam Pittman are not going to be top five recruiters in the industry at the end of this year. Are you kidding me? Like. Cedric Von Prahn's probably coming. We might have missed out on two of the top guys uh, from Oklahoma, but, I mean, we signed another five-star and another four-star and an almost five-star. Okay, well, let's think about this. If if uh, if Pittman goes to, let's say, I don't know, if you Ge- say another Georgia school, Tech. I will cry. Let's say he goes to Georgia Tech. How many five-stars do you think he's bringing to Georgia Tech? So you're saying it's all it's not Pittman? No, I'm saying that because it, we did not have this kind of five star recruiting offensive. We didn't recruit any offensive line at Georgia until Pittman. Well, so you and want, you Pittman wanna, didn't come until you wanna, Kirby, right? You want to punch on like a, a, a sweet note of mine, or like a what's it called when you're abusing something makes you mad real quick? 
Yeah, pick on pick on Sam Pittman. <laughs> well, I'm, all I'm saying is is that it it works. It you know, great recruiters are always at good schools, and it's rarely the other way around. Unless oh, it's yeah. a really big name coach going to a or a really up and coming coach going to a a new school, and there's a little bump there at the new school. For it a hundred percent helps where you're at because Pittman was at Arkansas before, right? Pittman is and he like, he was putting players into the league because he can develop as well, and that helped him develop the reputation to where at Georgia he can dominate in recruiting. So where you at doesn't matter. I agree, hundred percent. Okay, um, so after hearing all that, uh, and they're would you say that they're kind of good recruiting in general for the coaches hires at Bama or are we are we just a bunch of on field coaches? I don't think you're ever gonna beat Bama by out recruiting them. That is true. So you're just it, that doesn't help the, Georgia much because I like we kinda are out recruiting them in some Yeah, but you're shape talking about splitting hairs. The last three years. You're talking <laughs> about splitting microscopic hairs here. You're like, oh number one by like what, five out of three hundred rep- recruiting points? Okay, like, so so does do we need back to the original question? Do we need Saban to retire then? I mean, Saban retiring certainly wouldn't hurt. It would help a lot, <laughs> but, but I think. But to I get think, over the hump, could there be other things? It's hard that could me. happen that make us beat him while he's still there. What other things? What other things? Not could what happen. other things. We're going to get into the what's. Well, but could there be other things? We can. I'm, I, we're going to that get us over the hump, other than him retiring. Yeah, I mean, you, you, anything can happen in sixty minutes. I, I think you gotta you have to be at the dance in order to have a chance, right? So, 100%. so they're they're in position to do it. I don't think that there's anything that they can do in order to establish themselves a notch above Bama. I don't think that. No, hundred percent. No. So you just and you're, no one can do that. No one can is gonna Bama in order for Bama to be beaten consistently by someone, they're gonna have to take a step back. Yeah, because they're at the top, and they got two of us still. So that taking yeah. a step back is. Uh, going to be difficult but as long as you're at the top with them then it doesn't matter you, yeah. you, you, you take your 60 minute chance and you do your best what and we need to do is dive into their uh defensive and offensive line recruiting the last couple cycles and see if there's a chance that they're a little weaker on their lines of scrimmage because if without the foundation especially in that year where they were ranked seventh i want to see what they lacked at and will that show up this year because we're that that was two years ago now so some of those guys that they're missing might there might be a hole here and there you know Maybe. So we're going to get into that. But I'm not sure. But it, we could look at that, but I doubt it. You know, you're not going to be able to see it by looking at all the five stars. No, yeah. not, not by looking at the five stars, but I mean looking at, I mean, was there any five stars at the O-line? Was there any highly rated four stars? I mean, it might help a little bit. Maybe. But I think maybe just as relevant to that conversation is looking at the prospects that they have gotten drafted in the NFL draft. Yes. Over the past several years, yes, I think that's a fair comparison to Georgia, especially this year, because while Georgia has—did you see? Hold on, time out. Did you see the RBU thing come out, and Georgia's not even on the freaking list? Yeah, I saw that. I saw. I didn't read the article. It's there's the top ten RBUs, and we're not even on the list. Hmm. Well, someone obviously just did crappy. Research. It's ESPN, so. Well, I don't. That seems like that explains a lot to me. I guess that seems like just. I mean, that's, those, those top ten lists are clickbaity anyway. It's like, you dude, they couldn't have gotten. We just put two thousand yard listen, backs with two could, different guys, and the only school that's ever done that in a row, and we're not even on the list. Well, dude, <laughs> the reason they probably would have gotten half the traffic on the site that they that they did if they had put put Georgia at the top of the list, 
There has to be a controversy I mean, but, about but, it. But either, yeah, that's a massive controversy. Well, I mean, we that's at least the best got, way to get clicks. We got Todd Gurley. We got Sony. We got Chubb. Chubb's the most yards after contact sure, guy as a rookie. We're, cr- talk, we're talking about the guy who had the most yards after contact, period. Okay. Not just a rookie. Settle down. And settle we're not down. even on I'm, the list. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a conspiracy, okay? If it was a good list, it would be okay, obviously, and no one would click on it. Right? right? If it's a crappy See? list and that's where why we, everyone gets mad, then everyone clicks on it. That's why we're Holy not taking crap, part. This is so mad. We're not taking part in this shenanigans right. that is Click the bait. media and fake news. Fake news. Because right. it's bullshit. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so where were we? Where were we on? We're, uh, okay, so we finished that. Um, moving on. The next step that we can take, the next thing, number two. Uh, you go ahead. You read number two. Well, I'll I'll give you my own two cents on number two. I think in well, over- you got to tell the audience what it is first before you give us your sense, please. Oh well, you, you say finish games and straight up put teams away. Straight up, right? Okay. Not just a little bit. Straight up. But that happens in every game that's not Bama, right? And in a weird situation, something uh, like LSU or happens. LSU, Texas, Auburn, I right? Mean, well, obviously, we didn't even show up for those games, but that's another right. thing. I'm well, talking. I'm talking about like having that killer instinct. Mm-hmm. You you're we, up on a team and you don't like let off the throttle. You put them down. But I feel like Georgia has done that to every team that they played that they were better than, right? Like, there, I, no, I feel, I feel like we were teams. we were obviously better than Auburn because we played them again like two weeks later and destroyed them. We just played like shit. Are you talking about this but, year or last year? Uh, no, two years ago right. um, when we played at Auburn, mm-hmm. and then we beat them in the SEC championship like hands down, and we just didn't show up for that game. So, I mean, but that's that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you're up on a guy, you're up on a team, and you can either ground and pound, smash their face, mm-hmm. or you kind of wait, look over at the ref and say, is he out? Like, is he done? Mm-hmm. I want to be the team that starts smashing him in the face because we're not smashing anybody in the face. We're letting off the throttle and giving teams like Bama a chance to come back. Why do you think that is? At first, I was going to go with uh, pointing the finger, and then I did a little research today, and I'm going to say I can point the finger in a different direction than I had planned on earlier, because I thought maybe Fromm. And this is what's not going to be a positive take for most Georgia fans, because everyone loves Fromm, okay? And I like Fromm, too. Uh, I'm I'm not going to say I'm in Justin Fields' camp, but I thought Justin Fields was the future. I thought he was our guy. 100%. 100%. You, you, you were excited because you thought he had a higher ceiling. A much higher ceiling than Fromm. I thought he was going to take us to Graceland one day. I thought hopefully Fromm would before him, but I've, I'm still on the fence about that. Um, but I don't know. I, I think that uh, Fromm in general, at first I was going to try and prove it through the SEC championship. So let's jump into the most recent 2018 SEC championship. On, and this think... is where I proved myself wrong here. Okay. And I proved Fromm right. So okay. don't get too mad at me yet, Georgia fans. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I had a question along the lines okay, of that. Who do you think is the leader on defense? Secondary guys, <laughs> unfortunately. Probably uh, Richard LeCount, last year leading tackler. Um, we need a middle linebacker to step up massively. There's uh, a really good chance. We're going to get into that in the next section, but... Yeah. Okay, don't mean to jump the gun we, on you. We lack leadership on defense ever since Roquan left, and we really need somebody to step up. I don't even care who it is. I don't care if it's a, a defensive end, a defensive tackle, anyone on the defensive line that helped our run game because our run it'd, game it'd was atrocious nice last year. It would be someone in the front seven to step it, up. It would be, or middle linebacker. Yeah, right. Well, front Some, seven, front seven, okay. sorry. Yes, you're correct. I agree. 
Because if I do math, uh, he counts in that seven. Right. I think I was doing, when I was writing about this in the article, we're 35 minutes in. We didn't mention the website. CFBstatNation.com. Oh, yeah. Time out. We're going to mention it now, and then we're going to mention it at the end then. Because we were supposed to do it at the beginning. Okay. Hold on. Let me, let me pimp it first. I'm going to be a hype man. All right. My boy Mike here has come up with his genius brain. He came up with this amazing site. Average and, brain. Uh, no, it's amazing. It's, I, I thought he was average, and then he came up with his website. Now he's above average. Like my, He's smarter than me now. How about, how about that? <laughs> <laughs> but Mike has come up with a, a website. You need to go to it. You need to click on it. It's uh, cfbstatnation.com. Yes. And it is an amazing site. It has all of the stats that you're looking for. It has stats uh, on returning team talent and things like that. that returning, and and yeah, multiple re- articles. Returning production is what I've been uh, writing about for production. all, all teams. Yeah. Duh. Basically, you're just trying to figure out what players were going to be the most prominent returning and basically how much production was going to be lost by players not returning on any given team. I've done. We've done uh, Bama. Clemson, Georgia, uh, LSU. Articles on all the all the top contenders, really, and it's it's some some good stuff. And, just, and my boy is well written. I'm not gonna lie. I I feel like uh, I had a good dive into my my you know I scored a hundred at Georgia Southern on my English 1101 and 1102. I'm proud of that. Even though <laughs> even though it was Georgia Southern, <laughs> everybody everybody who's a Georgia fan is not like you couldn't have really gone higher. You couldn't have done better. So I mean. I think I actually got a 99 on 1102 because uh, the teacher tried to tell me that uh, my statement about this is America, you can be whatever you want, uh, was untrue, and I would not change it because Uh America. A true patriot. Yeah. She was like, what if I want to be an opera singer? And I was like, well, have you ever tried to be an opera singer? Well, odds are if you're American, you have rich parents, so you can be an opera singer. (laughs) I was like, did you practice at opera? And she was like, no. I was like, Uh so could you have been an opera singer? And she's like, maybe but I wouldn't change it. She still gave me like a 95 instead of a hundred. So I didn't get a hundred in class. What a bitch. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, a humble, humble plug for the website. If you feel like the other things that I written about was, um, comparing high school team talent and comparing that to how colleges convert the team talent. They recruit into NFL draft picks. Yes. And I found that to be an interesting statistical analysis. So player development, yeah, I, I was I was considering it as r- recruiting, like identifying identifying talent and developing it, right? Because I feel like you're, there's there's a difference between seeing five stars and you're making, going into our age old argument and you're finding a way to crush me. I well, feel like it's happening. <laughs> well, all I'm saying is, is that there's a difference between you know recruiting a bunch of ready made five star high school players who have probably hit or are near their ceiling of, and their backups of, of are five stars and their backups and, are... and winning with a bunch of five yeah. stars or recruiting some three star high school players who have ceilings that are, you know, first round draft pick if developed properly, then, you know, what what's what do you get more coaching credit for? You know, identifying the developing guy with the three ceiling. stars in the first round draft picks. That right. should be like the like grade A plus. You know, right. Isaiah Win. You know, exactly. Very so, very soon to be Eric Stokes. So we got some interesting some interesting um, rankings and such about um, DeAndre Baker. Was he a four star? I think he was a three star. I think he was a three star. I mean, that's yeah. that's impressive to me. You yeah. know, like Roquan Smith was a highly rated four star, so not so much. But if you take a three-star and turn him into a first-round draft pick, 
you can and develop. you're doing that consistently consistently and it's not just you know a, yeah. a one a one one off you know happens you know once every couple of years if you're doing it consistently it's, then there's a pattern to it and it's definitely a skill development is there yeah <laughs> yes yeah. So where do we get to where we were? We were going to go. Okay, to... we were going to go into the uh, how I was debunking from at first, and then I kind of debunked myself, and then right. I I'm going to I was going to point away. the finger. Right. Yeah, we're uh, basically is it Fromm's fault that what happened? What happened? So we're going to go into the third quarter of Bama game of this year's SEC championship Alabama game. Um, he he completes the first pass <laughs> for a touchdown. So one of one. For a touchdown. By the way, that made it like what twenty eight to thirty five. That made it twenty eight to fourteen. Wasn't it twenty eight at halftime? Huh? Wasn't it twenty eight at halftime? No, because oh, okay. we scored. It was like the first drive because okay. our defense did really well. Uh, Mikol had a decent return, and then we got the ball in like the thirty. Mm-hmm. No, we got the ball in the fifty, and then we had two runs by Elijah Holyfield that got us to like the thirty. And then the next play, Fromm throws a pass to Riley Ridley, about twenty so yards, twenty thirty yards. It was a thirty yard, yeah. Right. Uh, makes it twenty-eight to fourteen. Okay, so one of one in the third quarter with a touchdown. Second half, he's batting a thousand. Two touchdown lead, right? Yeah, yeah not so a big deal. Uh, so things things are looking good. His second pass is a fifty-yard pass to Isaac Nada, and it was probably like a like a seventeen, eighteen-yard kind of. Uh, uh, I'm not gonna say a slant, but it was like right. a he Dump ran off. up ten, and then he and then he ran a corner. Sure. Um, mm. So, so just kind of a, not a dump off, but a good pass for, I mean, 50 yards. And not Nada made some but, stuff happen. Nada yeah. had a great game, too. I mean, he had like 85 yards or something and six or seven catches. Caught the first TD, didn't he? Uh, I don't I remember, he, to be honest. I believe he did. Probably. Could be wrong. So then he goes, next pass, three for three for a five-yard out swift. Misses his first pass of the third quarter to Riley Ridley next. Uh, it was actually really behind him. I don't know if it was Riley or Fromm's fault, but it was it was definitely off the mark, and it was like, oh, damn. It ended our drive because we had two runs before that. Then Rodrigo misses the field goal. And then it's like, oh, no. Okay, so you're like, oh, no, big deal. Uh, could have gone up by more than could've, 14. Could, could have been a whole lot bigger deal. So the next drive, Tua drives the whole field. Uh, the running game does well. And you got J.R. Reed picking him off for his second pick of the game. Because remember, LeCount picked him off before that. So defense does its job. It's still 28-14. Um, next thing we do, uh, we got the ball. Since he picked it off, he was on like the 10 or 12-yard line. And we, we play conservative. We run it three times for nine yards. Yay. It's, That's, it's hard to put it on Fromm when they know yeah. he's passing in passing situations. And Fromm is passing his freaking lights out. Give right. him a chance. That's what I'm saying. So this Let one, him I'm, throw on downs when they might think they're going to run. Yeah, because yeah. it was like third and like six or seven, right. and Swift got five. You know, so he so it became one yard to go. I'm so putting this is a tactic. Number one, put your fingers up. Put your fingers up. Number one, coaching. That was coaching. That because Fromm, Fromm yeah. did play calling and coaching. Did Fromm didn't get a chance. Okay, next drive, Tua throws a 51-yard touchdown pass to Jalen Waddell. It was also another, like, 12-yard pass that turned into 51 freaking yards. Uh, defensive letdown, for sure. Okay, then on his uh, fifth pass, he connects uh, to Riley, Riley Ridley for a first down. Sixth pass, misses. So he's four of six in the third quarter. Pretty good. And a touchdown, no interceptions, nothing like that. So it was not Fromm's fault in the third quarter. Fromm did his job. Moving on to the fourth quarter. Um, first pass, uh, one of one. Bam. Then he misses. Uh, it was like seven yards of nada for the first one. Two was kind of hurt on the very first drive of the fourth quarter. 
Uh, he's not out yet, though. He plays one more quarter, and he's hurt uh, at 11:15, the 11:15 mark, and that's when Jalen comes in from then on. So from 11:15 on, we got Jalen Hurts, who was not a good passer according to everything that we know. But but he, he was able to avoid the rush and he avoided the rush the and made some amazing outside the pocket throws. Yep. So that's that's what a dual threat quarterback can do for you. They can either run or they can get outside the pocket and make something happen. And that's that's what he did, unfortunately. Georgia was putting pressure on Tua, too, when they weren't really a, much of a pass rush team all season against everyone else. Yeah. They, I felt like they were getting to Tua in that game also. 100% were yeah. crushing him. Walker was destroying him, and then Walker gets hurt as well at this around the same time. I can't. I didn't get the, the, the minutes wrote down, mm-hmm. but Walker went out close to when Tua went out, so he couldn't defend uh, against and Walker, Walker was really the only and he dependable was pass rusher. Dominant. And the other, yeah. There were others getting to him, but Walker was really the, the guy. horse. He yeah. was the guy. And and with your new website, you have his stats and what we lost when he left. He was head and, and shoulders and above everybody. He was miles yeah. beyond everybody else when it came to pass rush and just disruptive plays is how I measured it. Exactly. Okay, so two is out at eleven fifteen. Um, he was. I always remember it like we hurt him for some reason. Maybe that was just just. My hopeful thinking, but that's or my evil brain, my my left shoulder devil talking that we hurt Tua, but mm-hmm. we didn't. He was stepped on by his own offensive lineman, <laughs> and then he went down and hurt his ankle. So, uh, Fromm's two of three at this point. Then he misses again, uh, two of four, and then on one of the most crucial drives of the game, uh, there's like five minutes to go. We put Justin Fields in for the first play of the first drive. And Fromm is playing freaking lights out. Uh, coaching. Chuck another one up to coaching what the F. Okay? Um, I don't think that there's any positive yards was, off that it, play. That, Fromm that comes situ- in at second to, second and ten. By that situation in the game, they were, it was like the defense, Bama's defense knew when they were going to run and knew when they were going to pass, and so they tried to mix it up by putting fields in there because they couldn't mix it up just with play calling, apparently. Yeah. yeah. I'm very familiar with this type of play calling dilemma. Being a Michigan fan. <laughs> so so let's go, though. Let's go with it. Okay, Fromm comes in. It's second and ten. Fromm completes a pass first down, even though he had second and ten. So he's, it's like, cool, that was, I had way less downs to do what I needed to do. Did it. Got it. Um, so it's three and five. Then he goes. Then he misses a pass, three and six. Then he misses another pass, three and seven. Then he misses another pass, three and eight. So, so that was where Fromm had a chance to kind of get his shot, and mm-hmm. it just didn't work out. Uh, and then after the three and eight, it's fourth and eleven, or after he's gone three and eight, it's fourth and eleven, and we all know what happened there. Kirby Smart calls the dumbest play of where I even called him like you know how they have the Mad Hatter for LSU yeah, he, for less miles. I called him the Bad Hatter after this. I mean, it was freaking atrocious. Kirby, not smart. Kirby, dumb. Fourth and eleven. Alabama lines up in their like dime punt. defense prevent right. not not prevent not, not, not way back block. there not, not a punt, a punt block. defense yeah. they're ready for it they're like okay Fields is in the game you're gonna snap it to him direct and like we know what you're doing it's, all by the way, that it's had to happen <laughs> yeah fourth and eleven is not fourth and two folks I mean if you could get like fourth and three fourth and five maybe fourth and eleven. Okay, and you're going to put all that on a, a freshman doesn't, we'll just sneak doesn't him on know the field. nothing. They won't notice. Yeah, so yeah, he's not 6'3", well, he 230 throw, pounds. He? he looked to throw first. He, well, it was yeah. set up where Swift was supposed to break out in right. the open. 
I've heard rumors here and there from people who got, you know, they're they're in the know. After the fact. Maybe trying to justify things. Yeah. That, that Fields was supposed to call a timeout. He was supposed, if they lined up in their regular defense and not mm-hmm. a punt return, he was supposed to call a timeout. He probably also wanted to be a and, hero. And Kirby said, I'll, I'll fall on the sword for this one if, if you, you, you bust your ass next season during prep. You know, well, and then of course he's like, sure, I'll do, do, do that. Player transfer, the the coach is never going to blame the player like that. That's way inside information. Nobody knows if anyone knows that's that's true. true, Yeah, yeah, I'm not trying to say any of that's factual. So, so all we know, if if that's true, that would be dumb of Kirby. That's like booster. That's like threatening. That's that's knowing Kirby trying to blame the players for something. No, Kirby never came out and said this. So I'm right. No, I know, I know. But if that, but if if that's true, and that was the internal discussion, then that wouldn't. Well, the the true the true part was like, I'll fall on the sword. Don't worry about it, Justin. You come back and bust your butt for us. But I don't know if that's true. I'm just saying that's booster talk. That's right. what the boosters who donate a hundred grand a year are all and, and, calling it. And to be honest, there's probably talk that has to be booster talk to keep the boosters happy. That's different from fan. Yeah. So I mean, it, so that's yeah, yeah, politically yeah. motivated right, propaganda right. as well. Right. So third and eighth, fourth and eleven, or three and eight. He goes for it on fourth and eleven. Blah blah blah. Not good. We get the ball back after that debacle, uh, and Jalen goes up 35-28 to 28 on us at this point because he ran in for a touchdown, and he threw a touchdown. Um, so now then Fromm goes 4-for-9, four misses again. Uh, no, because he, he, he was 3-8, so he went 4-for-9. Four so he hit Swift on like an 8-yard out. Uh, then he misses again, 4-of-10. Uh, then he hits again to Harrion for 2 yards to get the first down. So he's 5-of-11. In the fourth quarter, uh, goes the next one hits again to Swift six of twelve. So he's doing all these little dump off passes when it's like the the end of the game, save the day drive. He's doing all these little like five yard plays, which Alabama's going to give us all day long. Everyone knows that. I don't really count these as completions if you ask me. Yeah. You know? uh, then he hits. Then he misses six of thirteen. Then he misses seven of fourteen. Well, and he misses seven of fifteen. Well, he would have to made, end the game. Made, second, made seven of fourteen and missed seven. Yeah, miss, made yeah. seven fourteen because it was it was a ten yard first down. It was like game over or, and he took like I think it was actually to uh, Mikol, as like a short you know ten yard play or something that that got us the first down. So we get we actually got the chance for him to be seven and fifteen where he missed on the hail mary. Mm-hmm. So we're talking seven of fifteen in the fourth quarter. Not very impressive. Not Fromm's fault. I'm going to say the major turns of events were coaching error. And the way that affected momentum in the game. 100%. Putting, I mean, putting Fields in when he's been dominating all game. Are right. you kidding me? Well, I, I don't care about Fields' feelings, especially mm-hmm. now, obviously. But even then, like, if your guy is hot, you don't put in, put in the other guy. Mm-hmm. That's insane. You throw this piece of paper so I never have to look at it again. <laughs> yeah. That was, the, that was like the, the reliving the nightmare. I'm sorry, Georgia fans. We just relived the nightmare because of me. Yeah. I never wanted to be a part of that again. I think I kicked like my ottoman when that game happened. <laughs> I was watching it on the projector screen. Have like a, I have like a, a really awesome set. Yeah, at least if you threw it at the screen, you wouldn't break the TV. Right? And I, well, yeah, I could just break the drywall. <laughs> But I kicked the ottoman, and I found out my ottoman was made of solid wood. <laughs> I couldn't walk right for like a month. Uh, yeah. So, well, do you want to talk at all about how you think um, the team stacks up this year? We're, we're gonna, we're or gonna. Do you want to get that um, in the later episode. But, but my my point of this number two, uh, before we end number two, mm-hmm. 
was I still think Jake Fromm needs to take the next step. I know his uh, first seven games, his third down conversion rates were not good. Uh, we'll get those numbers for you eventually, but I, I, they were very bad before the loss to LSU. Uh, I want to see him be the, the not just the game manager. I think he's better here on the record right now. I think he's better than a game manager. I will say that now uh, by a long shot. He's much better than a game manager, but I want to see him be a game dominator. Where like that guy's on the field, oh crap. I don't feel like he's that guy yet. He could be this year if he takes that step forward. And and those games like LSU and Auburn, the away games where the crowd isn't 50% Georgia, mm-hmm. I want to see Fromm take over that game and beat that guy into submission. I think that that might be kind of a tall a tall ask to ask, especially since it's kind of a subjective thing. Why? He's a third-year junior. Well, how like, third-year starting junior. That's time. How many pocket passers do you know of that dominate games? Trevor Lawrence. Okay, there's one. True freshman did like, it. Maybe the best the best performance of any quarterback in the past five years. Does, he, did you, it, he did it okay. with two years less experience than Fromm. Okay, so that's one. <laughs> so you, so you, so Fromm isn't the best of all time. So yeah, well, one year less experience than Fromm last year, technically. Right. So who else? Kyler Murray. You're saying He's there hasn't been. Threat. You're saying in the past there hasn't been like dominant pocket passers that like. Um, are the reason well, their team won my, the Natty? My point is, is that the those do exist. The, the quarterback position is one of distributing the ball. You have to have playmakers mm-hmm. to, to to do it with. He's got Swift, and he's got an offensive line that is maybe one of the best in the nation. Um, he last year he had receivers, um, and he 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 did fine. He did. I think he had great receivers last year. Yeah, but my, I guess my point is, is that I don't think you're going to be able to ask. A, you know, you wouldn't be able to ask Tom Brady to take over the game for Georgia without having playmakers like, especially a running back. And 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 this year, do we have those playmakers? Well, that, that will be from outside. That will be Fromm's major like, oh no, I, or uh, excuse you might say, because we lost all of our starting receivers. I'm not talking about one or two. We lost like five, mm-hmm. and we're going to do a whole show on wide receivers very soon. On what's coming up and who who needs to step up and all that kind of stuff and what Fromm has said about uh, Matt Landers and things like that. But I I just, I don't know. I, I need him to get, like, the first six games of the year, he was not good. And I need him, he was not as good as he was as a freshman. So I think he took a step back as a sophomore the first seven games. And then the light, the light bulb went on and it was time to play mm-hmm. after we got beat down by LSU. I guess I'm still just not sure. And that sure. was against Florida and I'm we still, dominated Florida. I'm still not sure if how are you going to know whether he plays better? Like, how are you going to know? Because I want to, I want to look at his, cause he was captain America on third down as a freshman. Okay. He re- and he was not as a sophomore. Okay. So if he, on third down, a lot of that the first five, six games, especially against like uh, a, a good team mm-hmm. in Notre Dame, mm-hmm. if he does well against Notre Dame and he plays good in an almost dominant form, I know he's taking the next step. And that's when I will be like, Hey, guess what? Mike Fromm's a new dude. He's my guy. I, I I think we're winning the Natty. I'm sorry. I, I lo- fell in love with Justin Fields. Yes. I want Fromm back. Well, I already found the next Justin Fields, so I'm over him. Well, <laughs> that's another conversation for another day because it's too long, but I'm interested to see whether they are going to ditch the pro-style offensive scheme and go to a, Fast a spread pace. offense. Spread. I don't see it happening. Because yeah, I, I think all of our recruiting 
leads towards our running backs. We're we're trying to be a running game, and if you do that, you hurt your running game. If what anything. about your quarterbacks, though? You destroy your defense. Kirby, Kirby's a defensive-minded like coach. He is not going to go spread. What about, your, gonna... what about your recruiting, the quarterbacks you're recruiting? I mean, he wants a dual threat. You can have a dual threat and be successful. Two is a dual threat. He's successful. That's all he wants. He doesn't. He so wants. There, so it's one. He wants like an Aaron Rodgers guy who can throw it all, but also led the NFL in 2012, 13, and 14 in rushing for quarterbacks. He wants that guy, you know. So he mm-hmm. wants to still remain a pro style offense, but run when you can because it extends plays and run to outside the pocket and make a pass. And those are things. Another thing I'll see if Fromm is outside of the pocket completing passes. Will you not think that he's taking a step forward? Sure, because he doesn't do that. But. But also, Very rarely you don't have to be outside that. the pocket to complete passes. You I don't mean, have to, but you know he's a different player if he down, all of a sudden yeah. starts doing that. Yeah, no, you know I mean, I mean? He, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's the best quarterback of all time. He's obviously not that mobile, but he's very accurate and he reads defenses really well. He his, knows what he knows where the coverage is, and the, and he's pretty accurate. His weapon is his brain, right? And his uh, average, if not maybe a little above average, arm uh, to the outside. His arm to the outside is impressive. He's very accurate. Uh, he's very good he's not the at, biggest at arm, like back but shoulder, not weak. Either. Back shoulder throws or our guys streaking across the field he's to good this at line of scrimmage, throwing guys open. He does yeah. that. He does all those things very well. Okay, so moving on, number three. I don't know. I gotta look. Okay, the next thing that needs to happen in order for us to take the next step and get over the hump. What is it? Pass rush must improve. Pass rush improvement 100%. Okay, so if you have a better pass rush, uh, I think you should probably recruit guys that is the number one overall player in Nolan Smith or the number one overall Juco player in Jermaine Johnson, both uh, defensive and outside linebacker types. Um, We got second-year guys, Brenton Cox, who was a five-star, Adam Anderson, five-star. I mean, we are loaded. I mean, if our outside linebacking, you know, hand-in-the-dirt defensive end guys aren't elite at this point, I have a problem with that. Who are you most – who, who of, of Ojolari, Adam Anderson, and Brendan Cox, who do you think you saw the most out of last year? Funny that you said Ojolari because I think Ojolari is kind of the dark horse because he was injured. He had a torn ACL coming out of high school. Didn't really play much last year. Played in, like, the game against Texas, like, sparingly. Uh, if he could wrap up, he would have had, like, three sacks that game. But uh, if that guy – is as good as advertised. I think Ojulari could be seriously a contender for a starting role. I think Jermaine Johnson. Well, someone's got to start. Well, I mean, but we got sophomores and stuff. I mean, I guess Ojulari is technically a sophomore, but he's a redshirt sophomore. So we're, we got true sophomores that played a lot. And who do you? Who are you? The most? Who do you think has the most promise? Uh, I mean, Jermaine Johnson looks nasty. I mean, <laughs> he, not, he didn't play last year. I know, but he <laughs> I'm is, saying, who did you see last year? He. Who is going to step in for oh. DeAndre Walker? Okay, so I I think easily. Okay, easily is not a good word because you're going to hammer me if I say that. Uh, Jermaine Johnson could do Walker's job. Okay, uh, more than just set the edge. He's a good pass rusher. He's he's like freakish talent, freakish length, freakish bend, freakish against strength. Against JUCO players, freakish strength. They're saying. Okay. I mean, but I, I mean, There's I'm talking about difference between high school and SEC. Uh, or or Nolan Smith, who's uh, NFL. Career comparison is Khalil Mack. I mean, I think that. Yes, yeah, because Khalil Mack was like a two star. 
Witness is that is a career path. His career comparison. His career comparison. If you read, go to Nolan Smith's profile. It'll say his NFL comparison is his ceiling so, is a Khalil Mack. Okay, I, and, I think Khalil Mack weighs more than two thirty five. And if you watch his film, you watch his ability. You watch what he did at IMG. You you watch him dominate elite players. High no, school players. Nolan Smith could be somebody and be somebody quickly. This year? And in the spring game, still going. Okay. He was on the black team, I believe, okay. which was the number one defense for most of the game. Okay. And, and was... he started most of that game because he's, he's kind of one of those like head and shoulders, probably, maybe we'll say a three-and-done player because he's going to start as a freshman Sure. eventually. I'm not going to say he's going to get the, the nod game one. I think Jermaine Johnson's got more of a, a shot at that, and then we'll have Ojulari or uh, Brent Cox on the uh, the other side. But we'll we'll see. Or Adam Anderson. I, listen, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I don't. I think the sky's the limit for Nolan Smith too. I think I, I, I think, think he's he's top, he's his ceiling is top five NFL draft pick. Easily. I don't think he's going to step in and dominate SEC offensive lines. Not right away, and that's that's what I'm saying. Not, as a not right away. Not this year. Like maybe he could come in. Okay, as a, so that's the difference. You say not in, this year. No, I'm saying he could come in as like a third down specialist on pass rush situations and be really productive. But that's different than being like an every yeah. down defensive end. Yeah, agreed. He's, he's agreed. 235 right now. He needs years. He needs some LBs. Of, yeah, he, he needs, needs strength and conditioning in college. Yeah, well, conditioning, no. Strength, maybe. Sure. His like his, his motor, they're saying, is second to none. Like he's just an all go, all the time guy. Well, good. That's what you need on D line, right? <laughs> yes, we need it badly. But, but uh, okay, so my point being, though, our defensive in outside linebackers are deep. Have we established that? Yeah, I think yeah, I think there are a lot of candidates. I'm just not. We're talking sure. like four or five stars competing for two spots, right? And we're talking two or three, four stars behind them. I would say we, odds are someone will step up and be good. I'm just not sure who's going to step in and be a senior DeAndre Walker. Yes, and Walker's going to be hard to replace. I'll admit that. Yeah. So, but my point is, that's not my concern. My concern right. is the middle. Where we have not recruited at that level by any means. Uh, we have some talent. We have uh, four stars. We have Tyler Clark. Uh, we Trevon Walker's coming in as a true freshman, so you can make the same argument. Like he has a high ceiling, but he's a true freshman. He's probably not going to start or might even redshirt. We don't know. Right. Uh, but Jordan Davis proved after the Vanderbilt game last season, I was there, that he is a difference maker. And if a healthy Jordan Davis comes through and Tyler Clark plays like he did in the playoffs two years ago, I feel like their ceiling, the, the middle of the offensive line, could take our run defense, which I think ended up in the, in the mid to late 30s for run defense in CFBStats.com. It was, it was low. It was not impressive for an elite team. It, uh, I think it could take us to another level. But the point is, so you have those, those I, what I think is going to be an elite pass rush. And from what I saw in the spring game, we have a pretty darn good pass because they were going up against the number one, probably offensive line in I college. Didn't see football. a whole lot of pressure in the spring game. There was pressure. There was Not definitely on the first pressure. team offensive line. There is definitely pressure on the first team on the first line? team offensive line. Not for the first half. And maybe I overrated it a little because I was thinking it's the best offensive line that George is ever going to have, and maybe one of the better ones in history. I'm sorry. Can I put that out there? Mm. Do you think we might? You can. I, I'm, not, I'm gonna. I'm not buying it. I'm just not fake news. It's my opinion. It's a real opinion. <laughs> it's a real opinion. I that, have it. That I just made up. No, mm-hmm. but I can, I can probably back up why it might be one of the better offensive lines of all time. But I think that 
we put a good rush on those guys. So if you can handle them, and those are the guys you're going up against every day in practice. We're talking about probable two first-round draft picks next year on our left tackle and our right tackle. You know, Isaiah Wilson. I, I didn't see the D-line handling the offensive line. They were, they were, there was pressure. We need to. I, I know the last thing because I, I rewatched all the games. Uh, Except for the spring game. I, and I need to rewatch the spring game. But I, one of the first time I remember, I remember a lot of pressure and a lot of like disruptive plays, which is what Kirby's been emphasizing this entire offseason. Mm-hmm. Is we need disruptive plays. And I saw a lot of that. I mean, the first freaking play was like an interception by Eric Stokes. That wasn't caused by pressure, though. I mean, it was a, kind of a not so great pass. And then Eric and Stokes made a good so play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eric yeah. Stokes wanted the ball more. Uh, yeah, I was actually watching watching it for that, and the thing that I noticed was that the two things that I noticed just from rewatching the first half was that I didn't see a whole lot of pressure. Now, part of that is I was just basically noticing it up from, um, and even some on. Um, uh, what's and his and name? you got a, a junior Bennett. quarterback like Frost. get rid of the freaking ball. Quick. Stetson Bennett was was getting the ball out too, and yeah. I didn't see a, a ton of pressure on him. Well, Stetson's not. A lot of people like don't remember. I'm, I'm sure like the real hardcore fans realize that he's been to Georgia before. He came back. He went to JUCO. He mm-hmm. came back. Sorry, Port Maria, another vodka that's, drink. That's okay. real quick. My point is, is that I didn't see a whole lot of pressure in the first half, mm-hmm. and, and there may have been some that I missed. And I didn't see a lot of separation with the wide receivers. And, you know, I think part of that is because Georgia's secondary is good. I I think think when there was separation with wide receivers, uh, a lot of it, there was not so much uh, great catching going on. Uh, The the separation that happened, like there was some wide open, like I beat my guy by five yards, but it was a freaking ball. There was one deep throw to the corner by um, Setson Bennett that – I think it was to Matt Landers. Matt Landers. And then there was another like 50-50 jump ball that Dewan Mathis threw that Landers had both hands on and dropped. I yeah. Remember those two. See, I mean, Landers has to be – we're going to talk all about wide receivers in another show. He has to be that guy. He's freaking 6'5". Get up and get that ball and power it down because he's got the muscle too. He's thickened out too. He's not a scrawny little – yeah, it's like he, I, when he was a freshman, he showed up. He's a big dude now. And he's kind of a burner. He's fast. Mm-hmm. So him, Tommy Bush, those 6'5 guys need to start making plays. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. We'll get there in another show. All right. Um, well, technically, that was the that was a good segue. Look at that. Yeah. Segwayed into the we'll get next. Right num- into that next show. Number four. And well, we're gonna we're gonna do a deep dive into wide receivers next show or so. Uh, so what number three was pass must pass rush must improve. Uh, and then I think our middle linebacking core before we move on is gonna be much improved. I think second year guys Quay Walker, Channing Tindall. Um, Jawan Taylor is gone. Which I, Tay Crowder. I, I mean, Tay Crowder I like. Tay Crowder is an, mm-hmm. and, and a really good athlete. He was a former running back. He was going to Georgia Southern back in the day. And last minute we offered him, and he came to us as running back and then switched over. He was pretty productive uh, last year. Tay Crowder, if you don't remember, he's the guy who blocked the onside kick against Oklahoma in the first half. And then we got the ball in like the 50 threw the ball or ran the ball for like 10 yards, and Rodrigo kicked the 53-yard field goal to end the first half against the, in the Rose Bowl. So that was Tay Crowder's doing. So ever since then, I kind of love Tay Crowder. like want him to be something more than what he is. Had a pretty decent year last year as a middle linebacker. I think he can take the next step because he's that kind of athlete. He's a really good athlete. He's a running back guy, you know, mm-hmm. and he's fast. And as long as he knows the system, he can be more than just a good athlete. Yeah. So I, th- I think we got Tay Crowder in there now. Monty Rice coming back healthy. Uh, Monty Rice was like the pro football focus. It's like number one tackler in the SEC. So, I mean, he's legit as long as he's healthy. The second half of the year, he was not healthy. Uh, him, and then you add N'Kobe Dean in there, who's kind of the Nolan Smith impact factor. He might actually be 
someone who is like that freak freshman kind of guy who might be able to play more than just a little. He was also on the number one defense in the spring game. Uh, and Nicobe Dean, I mean, the guy never made a B in high school. Never made a B in his life. All C's? Just kidding. No. That's a joke. All A's. Can you imagine that? Like, I got a kid right now, and I got to, like, try and offer her all kinds of money just to not make <laughs> C's, you know? Like, hey, you got 100 bucks for straight A's. Do it. You yeah. know? Well, I think, I think we have to – I think maybe this will be my job in our next episode is, yeah, we can talk about everyone has the ceiling of being a first-round draft pick, but – what have we seen from the players no, that they have don't. played? That was a false statement. No, not, I know. Not I know. everyone I'm, has I know. that ceiling. I'm exaggerating. I'm, I'm just saying is that you could pick and choose a, a player from every position group that has a super high ceiling, right? But who is going to contribute this year is the question. Because I, I think, okay. I think if a lot I had, of the If I had set... to put a, a total, like, my guy mm-hmm. for this season who's the well, freshman do, impact player. right now. I'm just saying we can go through the position groups. I'll do it right groups. now. I'm not scared. Okay, my well, fr- my freshman impact player is Nakobe Dean. Okay, because of the you think need? he's going to be have, play every down because of the need. You think he's going to play every down? Uh, I, don't. I don't know. Not a bench. Not the first. He's four not going to be a three games. down linebacker. First, yeah, yeah, he will because he's a he's a speed guy. He's a, a undersized, really fast Roquan Smith. You type think guy. he's going to play in front of Monty Rice and Tate Crowder? I think by game five he will be the starter over someone. Okay, one of those two more than likely. I'm I'm put it on record. Write it down. Yeah. Chalk it up. Nicobe Dean is the guy. Okay. He, because of the lack of depth and talent and, and the fact that I think he's that good. I really do. And I, and I really hope Channing Tindall takes a step up and also takes another one of those starting spots. Nicobe Dean and Channing Tindall, yeah. the, the Sam and Will linebackers, is a scary thing. If they, re, if they become that by game five, something went right. Something went really right. So, or really wrong because the other guys were bad. But... I'm thinking it, it would more so lean towards really right. Okay. Just saying. All right. So, okay. Uh, that was our pass rush improved. Basically, those guys can set the edge, hopefully, between those really talented, ultra-talented defensive ends outside linebackers and run them up the middle towards our improved defensive line in Tyler Clark and Jordan Davis. So we have a little bit better run stopping and then improved middle linebackers that can also run stop. So so Richard LeCount is not the leading tackler. That is my goal. I do not want – I love Richard LeCount. I think he's going to have a huge year. I do not want him to be the leading tackler. Again. Again. Because that, that means – what does it mean if your secondary guys are leading tackler? It means the front seven can't clean up. Exactly. The front seven's not doing their job. His job is to cover people and to make sure that, that no one beats him yeah, and, and come up and him. come uh, come up and stop and run and run support too. But yes. he shouldn't be the leading tackle. And, and he's put on like twelve pounds of muscle, and hopefully he can hit hard. And he's you know the next Brian Dawkins, whatever. <laughs> Probably not, but I wish. But I I think LeCount's going to have a huge year, and I hope it ha- is not because he's the leading tackler. The secondary is definitely not going to be the weakness of the the defense, in my opinion. Yep. Okay, so moving on. So we moved our improved pass rush was the number three, number four most important thing. Uh, because I'm not worried about things, because this, this is the last step, really. I'm not worried about things like our running game. We're going to have good running backs at Georgia. You know, everybody's like, oh, if Zamir steps up and he is who he was out of high school, then we're going to be unstoppable. And I go, no shit. I mean, that's what the, the average, like, guy who reads three articles a day knows. Well, he has to be that good in order to be as good as Chubb, Michelle, and Swift, no, and everyone that's come before him. No, he doesn't. 
Guess what? We got DeAndre Swift and right. Brian Harry. Right. My point is, is that and the, James Cook. My, the point is, is that if he's not that good, that's gonna, then it's going to be a drop off. <laughs> yeah. And Kenny McIntosh. Have you watched Kenny McIntosh's senior film? I think I sent it to you at uh-uh. one point. I don't think so. He's. They call him the blueprint. He. They, the guy. If you, if we want to look at our major problem last year, what was one of our main problems? Goal line. I was trying to, like, go, All right. go line. Go line. <laughs> trying to give you I the mean, answer. It was a severe problem, right? I mean, like, we went for, like, seven times against Florida on, like, first and goal, first and, like, two. Uh, we went, like, Auburn, same situation. I was there. I remember, yeah. I mean, it was atrocious. We were the worst goal line offense. I think it, we're, like, 119th in the country. And I, and I, I actually is remember that. That's the best, that. that best O line of all time. Fuck. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It was bad, okay? It was not good, and I was very... Not the best of all time. So so now you had in this this sneaky, fast, sneaky, large character named Kenny McIntosh, uh, nicknamed The Blueprint, who, I mean, the guy's 225 pounds coming out of high school. Uh, I think that helps a little. That's like adding like a, a Josh that, Jacobs, be Brandon, that Brandon, Brandon Jacobs. Holyfield? Is going to be that much better than Holyfield? He's like twice the size of Holyfield. Holyfield was not that big. I mean, well... I mean, Holyfield was 215 pounds, but he was never 225. He was never six foot one, I think, is Kenny McIntosh. And he's the same kind of size and speed and has way better hands than Holyfield. So he's more of like a, a Jacobs, Josh Jacobs type mold, you know. And his senior film didn't come out until way late in the cycle. And I think if it came out earlier, he would have been much higher rated. So I think he's, he's like our fourth. The point is, he's our fourth running back. Maybe fifth behind James Cook and, and just other elite guys. So my point is, I'm not worried about the run game. The run game's going to be fine, whether Zamir is there or not. Whether they can run it into eight and nine-man yeah. bo- boxes yeah. is going to be the question. If, if Zamir is there and healthy, sky's the freaking limit for <laughs> Georgia's run game. If the wide receivers can <sighs> get over the top, then that'll make yes. the run game that much better. You're trying. You keep trying to segue. <laughs> no, it's okay. I just I, it was well well established that it is good. Running back and offensive. Line so I'm not. I'm not worried about all line and, and and running backs. I am worried about wide receivers. Can we overcome the losses at wide receiver? We're talking, Michael Hardman, uh, Riley, Riley Ridley. Ridley, Terry Godwin, Isaac Nada. That's our starting tight end. I mean, where we lost everybody who was considered the guy at their spot. Everybody, not and then with the loss of Jeremiah Holloman this year in the off season because of his domestic violence, I want to say allegations, but it seems to be like he's kicked off the team, so it must have been true. It's not well, just I think there was pictures of it. Yeah, so I mean he's he's gone for a reason, and I understand it at this point. I was pretty pissed off about it at the time because I thought he was going to be the guy. It's okay to be pissed off about it. I think it's a dumb, dumb uh, decision or non-decision. Or yeah. Just... But, I mean, it, it was like with him, it was like a big swift out of nowhere because him, you all, all you ever heard about him is how he was the greatest leader and the greatest kid, came from a good family. He probably was. Always did the that, right that, things. That, that wouldn't necessarily all have to be not true. I know. I mean, everybody can yeah. make him uh, yeah. one singular mistake, but it, it would be like uh, if... Uh, if if you really follow Georgia football, Andrew Thomas, if he hit a, tr- a chick yet tomorrow, yeah, it would bad. be a shocker, you know. So that's what it felt like. It was like what? There is no what the hell? That's not true. That's fake news. There's no way that's. So I I like pulled over the car and read the article. And I was like, Are you freaking kidding me? I'm like ah, oh. so that that happened. So we lost everybody. Is the point? 
Uh, and we landed some talent last year. Some of that talent's going to have to step up. We're going to dive really deep into it. Where are we at on our time? Let's look at it. An hour and 15 minutes. Hour and 15. Okay. So we're not going to dive into this. But I think, yeah, guys like Dom, Blaylock, George Pickens, somebody's going to have to step up. I'm hearing very good things about Dom and how he's – everything you heard about Swift, you hear about Dom. How he was just a guy that understood the playbook. His work ethic's insane. He just knows stuff that he shouldn't know yet as a true freshman. And you saw what what Swift did as a true freshman. He had like 800 rushing yards and just crazy receiving yards just for the third down back. You know, so that's kind of what I hear. Uh, and then obviously Matt Landers from said recently that he is kind of the guy. Like he's he's I think, re- he's I think the guy that quote was something up. along the lines of he's looking for big things out of him. Uh-huh. Whether that means he's doing big things or he's going to need to do big things, I think, yes. is to be interpreted. Somebody's going to need to do some <laughs> exactly. big stuff. I think that there's a little bit of smoke blowing, uh, yeah. parsing to be doing that. Surprisingly, I, don't think surprisingly I haven't heard anything out of Pickens. I haven't heard, I don't know, because what, what I remember from Pickens out of high school is that he was like maybe not going to graduate. So I, Seems oh, like hint. anybody that's doing anything is getting a little bit of smoke. Yeah. So, I mean, but I'm not hearing stuff about right. him. So, like, is, he's the... Which you could read as being concerned about. I'm more so, like, he barely graduated high school. Is he going to understand the playbook as a freshman? Probably not. Freshman wide receivers, I, I think, are few and far between and being really productive. And the ones that are are not number ones. They're generally being productive behind a dominant outside number one. Yeah. 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 Besides, like, Rondell Moore from Purdue. We don't have a dominant number anything. I mean, Charlie Warner, maybe, because he was our number two tight end last year. And he is an elite talent, I think. And Fromm knows how to get the ball to tight ends. Yes, uh, that's not true. (laughs) Was that sarcasm? (laughs) He does know how to get it to him, which didn't call plays in that direction. So, Coley, we're also going to dissect Coley uh, eventually this season, before the season starts, and how he ran his his previous offenses. And I think it's going to look really good for Charlie Warner. But... That's our, our next one, overcoming the wide receiver loss. Can we do it? I think we can. We have the talent there, but it's going to take a lot of work, and it's going to take a lot of somebody to step up for sure. They're going to have to in order to get back to last year's production level. 100%. Um, and that's really it. That was my four steps to overcoming the hump that is uh, Bama and winning the SEC championship and hopefully moving on to better, bigger and better things for Georgia, which, I, I mean, sorry – Sounds picky, but bigger and better things for Georgia is a national championship because we've played in the national championship. It is picky. It is picky. That's a good thing. uh, I mean, we played in the national championship, lost it uh, at the last second, uh, and we played in the SEC championship, lost it. I I honestly, like, no joke. Like, uh, I've even heard, like, Dylan Moses say, the Alabama middle linebacker, that the toughest game he played, most physical game he played was against Georgia, and he felt like he was in a, a street fight, and he was just beat up for like a week after that. So, I mean, I feel like I'm happy with where our mentality is at. It's also what Big Brother says to Little Brother to make him feel better about himself. Maybe. Or he's picking on Clemson because he thinks Clemson's not much, even though Clemson beat him. Even though they roasted but him. I, I, my point was, I think, I, I think Georgia could have put up a better fight than Alabama did against Clemson. And that's me putting it out there. I don't maybe maybe it's super opinion. Alabama could have put up a better fight than they put up against Clemson. Yeah, Alabama did bad. They did not show up for that game. But we've done that too, so I can't say we wouldn't do that. But I, ma- I, ma- I maybe think you think if they put up the same fight against Clemson as they put up against Texas, oh, that was a, a I mean, serious lack of motivation. That's a it's a false equivalency because it's yeah. different situations. Yeah. but we needed some motivation hardcore on that one. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, that's our four steps to overcoming the hump. Uh, talk a teeny bit about recruiting, and we'll wrap it up. 
basically, our big-time recruit we got right now at quarterback is Carson Beck. I really like Carson Beck. I think he's on Fromm's level, potentially where he was at in high school as a senior. Uh, he hasn't played a senior year, obviously, and he's already there, I think. I th- I th- and he's also better at getting outside of the pocket and making accurate throws. My problem with Carson Beck, uh, is, it's not his arm strength. It's not his IQ. He's like he's Mr. Football for Florida. I mean, he's which is a if you're Mr. Football in Florida, it's a big deal because that's where a lot of talent's at. It's one of the top, you know, states there is in recruiting. Um, I like him, but I also base a lot off of Elite Eleven. Maybe too much. Uh, you you probably always say how I go way off of seven on seven tournaments, and he struggled. But when it comes to quarterbacks for Georgia, Jacob Eason really struggled at the Elite Eleven, and he he was he didn't really pan out that well. He for did Georgia. okay as a freshman, and then he was not very good. Got replaced. Freshman. Yeah, he got replaced for a reason. And and at the Elite Eleven, he was a backup. He was the guy snapping the ball to the Shea you know to, to to Jake Fromm or to Shea Patterson. I think it was Shea Patterson. You're right. So at Carson Beck, and and if you watch the Elite Eleven this year, the guys that beat him out, even if you watch the seven on seven, they were lacking. They were not good. They just not be a strong year for quarterbacks. It he's twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. He's twenty twenty. So he's in our class this year. I mean, he's the guy. Uh, Alabama wanted him. Florida wanted him. everybody wanted him. But I just don't. I don't know. Something's missing there. And maybe it's because of the Elite 11 performance where he didn't, like, take his game to the next level. Because he doesn't do a whole lot of, like, camps and things like that. So you don't really know how he is. Uh, he does most of his performing on the field, which is good. That's what Trevor Lawrence did. I mean, Trevor Lawrence sucked at the Elite 11 and dominated uh, the state of Georgia. It has every record there is, basically, uh, even over Deshaun Watson. Dominated the state of Alabama, too. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and Clemson. Yeah, or some Carolinas. But you know what I mean. You get it? So, So basically... It's just, is he going to be better than Fromm? I'm not really there. I want him to be. I don't think so. Uh, so it, it might just be another run of the mill. Uh, but when I watch this other guy's film, and we're talking about a guy that's a 2021 quarterback. Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams. It is like, I said it when I first texted you after I saw it. Right after I saw it, I texted you his film, and I said, Justin Field, Who? The guy's dual threat. He is a great passer. Justin Fields dominated, was, uh, according to Trent Dilfer, the best quarterback to ever come through the Elite 11. And we're talking like Aaron Rodgers and all those guys went through there. He could process information faster, and he was a better passer than anyone, according to Trent Dilfer. So Caleb Williams' film, to me, is a lot better than Justin Fields' high school film. And we're talking about high school players. I know you're getting jittery over no, there. No, I'm just laughing at you uh, telling, telling me immediately after Justin Fields has left, the next guy up is the next shiny new object, and it makes you, it makes, and it's just I mean, light Trump's, years ahead of Justin Fields, who was apparently light not, years ahead of whoever was next. Not light him. years ahead. I think, okay. I think that he is the next big deal for Georgia, is what I'm getting at. Okay? Maybe I, my, my lead in's a little like hyperbolic. Yes. Shiny, but I, I just definitely the next shiny object. The backup is better than the starter. That's uh... um, but but still, if Carson Beck is, we might be in the same situation we're at now, where Carson Beck is like a pretty solid starter, takes us places that no one else ever has, like Fromm did, and then you got Caleb Williams is is who hasn't committed yet, for the record, but I think he is a, a strong Georgia lean and might commit soon. Uh, I think he's the guy that 
if I look at who's going to, if I just had the question, the only question, and we're not looking at the rest of the team or timing or anything like that. We're just looking at the basis of who could take us to that next level. I don't know if Carson Beck is that guy. I think Caleb Williams is. And if you haven't watched his film, please go watch it. And then you will be like, oh, okay, Sam's not a retard. Just pencil in the next three <laughs> national championships. No, don't pencil in nothing. We gotta win one. I'm, well, like we're okay. just. I'm talking about the guy who's gonna take us where we haven't been. You know. Well, and I don't. I'm hey, not but, sure how you can play better than From did against Bama this year. And we still didn't win. We still didn't win. So, yeah. gotta have more than just a quarterback. So that's quarterback recruiting. Uh, more concurrent or more uh, matching up with this time frame next Monday. Uh, Kendall Milton is committing, and he's committing to Georgia. Let's have a party. That is fantastic news. We might as well just celebrate now. Might as well just. Uh, if he doesn't, then I'm going to sound like an idiot, I'm sure. But, I mean, every all the tea leaves, I've been following it for months. Uh, he is Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. I mean, there was even a video of his brother, like, had a dentist appointment, and they were trying to show the funny stuff of, like, him talking while he's, you know. Sedated. Drugged. Yeah. And he's got Georgia bracelets on. I mean, there's, there's been... I, I, if I counted the tea leaves for anybody, because I usually do that, I actually have a chart where I count tea leaves, and they, they go positive Georgia or positive this other team. You know? It's, I, it's, I've got about the last 50 in a row for Kendall Milton positive tea leaves to Georgia. And, he, and there are other major programs out there, like Ohio State's one of the major ones. It, don't you think it's kind of weird that he doesn't want to go to the one of the top 10 RBUs? I know. It's so weird. Why would you go to Georgia? We're terrible at running the ball. That's, oh, it's, uh, I'm going to go punch myself. Anyway. Right, so recruiting is going good. So uh, so Kendall Milton, uh, I think if he we get him in the fold, uh, we're trying to land two running backs this cycle. Tanks Bigsby. Okay, here's my problem with our... In-state kid, right? In-state kid, exactly. Thanks for cueing in on my problem with Georgia recruiting issues. Kendall we, Milton from California, right? Yes, that's not going to help much of in-state recruiting. But Tank will. And Kendall is even just quoted saying the other day that when he comes off the field and Tank spells him, it sounded like he thought he was the number one, Tank's number two. <laughs> but there is literally no drop-off. So he's, I think he was trying to give him a compliment and saying, basically, there's no drop-off because he'll be the same. He actually even said, like, you know, because Ohio State's one of the main other recruiting schools in this, although his finalists. And he goes, you know, when I'm running in the SEC, I'm really going to need a good number two. <laughs> and, they, and the re- reporter goes, oh, so you're playing the SEC, huh? And he's like, oh, oh, yeah, uh, that's yet to be. <laughs> Is that I mean, kind of a douchey thing to say? He played Coming it. in and saying that you're going to be number one? Well, I mean, he wasn't saying I'm going to be number one. Wow. His, what his, his 18-year-old high school, what he was trying to say is Tank is as good as he is. That's what he was trying to get across. Hmm. It's a weird way of saying that. And but. if you look at the numbers, they really are, other than Kendall's, much bigger. Uh, Kendall's uh, close to 230. I think he's 225 right now, coming out of high school. Um, but Tank's 210, 212. Going into senior they, they, year. Going into senior year. And, and they he, they both run a 4.5. Kendall ran a 4.59 at the opening, and it was posted, and it was like, hey, look, this is official. I finally did it. It's one of his goals of what he said he was going to do. And then out of nowhere, it was gone. It was like, oh, we're going to renege that for some reason. And we don't know why. We like, decided it's probably not fast enough. He doesn't want to post it up there because he thinks he can run faster. I, I don't know what happened. It pissed me off because that was like one of the main things I was looking for. See how he ran because his big, the big knock on him was he's a big running back, but he's not that fast. But a four five nine is not slow for 225 pounds. That's a fast dude. 
You know, he's not Todd Gurley or, you know, Saquon, but he's he's fast. So if when we land Kendall on Monday, I expect a, still a solid number two after him. If not uh, Tank Bigsby, uh, there's a couple others that are well in line to hopefully, you know. That's a good thing to do once a day. Have our, a solid number two. Our, our, our one of our main targets in the beginning, uh, I think it was Marshawn Lloyd. Uh, he committed randomly out of nowhere uh, on like July fourth or something to South Carolina, out of nowhere, and everybody's like, "What the heck? What's going on?" Nobody crystal balled him. Nobody did anything. Uh, by the way, crystal balls don't mean quite a, that, what they used to mean because you used to if you crystal balled somebody. On twenty four seven for the time that you picked it. In yeah, yeah. Uh, at one point it mattered who put it in first. Now it's it's just a flat rate. Everybody who puts them in and gets it right gets it right. So in a way, so they you, almost mean more. And they and especially when it's Georgia, everyone knows where they're going beforehand because they're all making videos and they're all talking to the recruiting analysts. Yeah. yeah. So but but Kendall was talking to Lloyd. Uh, at a camp recently, and he said something along the lines like, "Hey, how you hey doing? I'm going to Georgia." Well, he Just said, FYI. "He said, he said, like, well, what do you, what do you say, man? Go, go, Cox." And, and Lloyd was like, "I was going to say, go, dogs." So I mean, and on record, we heard it, and it's weird. Uh, so I think uh, Del McGee is heavily after Lloyd still. Uh, there's the running backs committed to Miami, who would be fantastic as well, but I don't think that we're in for him. I think he actually said those were mostly rumors. Uh, but I think that we're going to land a good number one, number two punch that rivals Todd Gurley, uh, Keith Marshall all day, you know, sub, uh, Sony and, and Chubb sub. That sounds cool. You know what I mean? But we're going to have a really good combo that we're used to getting, even though last year we just landed the one and only blueprint. So I'm happy about that. Uh, that's most of our recruiting talk, uh, the only other things I want to hit on are not positive notes, and it's a terrible thing to end the show on. But uh, Jordan Birch, the number one overall 24-7 sports composite player we talked about earlier, is making his trip to Clemson. This weekend, uh, according to Jeff Sintel on uh, Dog Nation Daily, or dognation.com, uh, he said two weeks ago that uh, if you were to see someone tip their hat, it would be where they go this weekend. Uh, because this weekend is one of the last weekends there is when it comes to recruiting where you can go before there's a big dead period. So guys that are close to committing or kind of showing where they might go, that's where they're going to go. Like, and uh, Jordan Birch, the number one overall player uh, defensive end, is at Clemson, even though we're supposedly heavily in the mix. Uh, I think heavily. That, I think that says something. It'll be a solid number two. Uh, Arik Gilbert. Out of uh, Marietta High School in Georgia, I believe. Um, the tight end. Tight end. Well, he's, they got him listed as an athlete, uh, and him and Darnell Washington keep switching back and forth to who's the better tight end slash athlete. I think Darnell Washington's more of a actual tight end, and Ari Gilbert's more of a tweener. You know, he's, he's a legit wide receiver slash tight end. He can run all the routes. Uh, he's more of a fluid movement type guy that I see when I watch the opening tape. Uh, uh, Reed Gilbert is also, at, uh, last I heard, going to Clemson and has no plans on going to any of Georgia's stuff. And and uh, Reed Gilbert was also not at the, uh, what's it called? When they they uh, it's like the the biggest recruiting weekend there is for Georgia, and they all go on like a, a egg hunt. What the hell is it called? That sounds fun. You know what I'm talking about? 
An egg hunt. G-Day? It's not an egg hunt. No, it's not G-Day. It's not the spring game. The scrimmage game. Scavenger hunt. That's what they call it. It's mm-hmm. the scavenger hunt, and we have landed elite players because of it. Uh, Arik was not at that, which was our other biggest recruiting weekend, and now this one he's not at again. So it's not looking – I mean, I'm sorry. I, scavenger I've seen, hunt to find him. I've seen like one or two tea leaves for Arik Gilbert to Georgia in the last six months. Fake ones? No, I mean, they were big ones. I mean, he, what he said was basically like, yeah, I, you know, Georgia's one of my top schools, if not the top. He said things like that, but then you, that's just words because that's you see really the, the actions are him going to Tennessee all the time and him going to Clemson all the time and him, He you just know, likes orange better than red. Apparently. I mean, well, he's, he's really connected to Harrison Bailey, who's uh, the going quarterback commit to Tennessee. So, yeah, I don't know. And I don't want to end on a bad note, but I think we're going to do really well on recruiting this year. Um, my opinion is we need to land some in-state guys for sure, and Reed Gilbert would really help towards that. Well, that's all I got. You got anything? That's nope. re- recruiting. Yep. We filled her up there today. What are we, like uh, two hours at this point? Uh, hour and a half. Solid. Perfect. That's that show one. We're getting kicked off. Uh, right. We'll be more like specific topics in the next few shows. And then we'll get into uh, eventually our predictions for the season. Uh, that's going to happen before it happens, before the season goes. Absolutely. We're going to have fun doing that for sure. Yeah, buddy. All right. Well, I guess that's it. if that's it, we will sign off. Toes. Toes. I got my toes in the water, ass in the sand. Not a worry in the world, a cold beer in my hand. Life is good today. Life is good today. Well, the plane touched down.